Hi, this is Ariana Chevalier. Um, this podcast is for adults only. You must be 21 and over. 18. 18. Well, we're, we're 21. You must be 21 and over. And that's it. If you're younger, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Hello, and thanks for downloading another episode. Ah. Uh... So you remember uh, uh, last year when I said uh, that this year I was hoping to do uh, more frequent episodes and uh, cut back on the second job and remember that? Um, well, I had every intention of doing that. And then the, the Democrats managed to lose to the most unpopular candidate in history. Uh, and so now we're just work, we're both working so much harder than we were before because it's only a matter of time before this whole system collapses. So we're stocking up on water, we're gonna build a bunker, and then we'll have tons of free time. We'll have these Pony Express to deliver the episodes, but you know, there you go. Uh, but I, we do have some more uh, great episodes in the hopper, so they're on the way. Uh, this episode uh, was someone who, who uh, emailed me, said they'd love to be on the show, and I'm so glad they did, uh, talking about something that we've kind of made fun of in the past on the show, uh, and that is uh, gore and the Gorian lifestyle, and uh, we talked with Sheaf from Chicago, who had a lot of great things to say, uh, and really, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, so uh, uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Sheaf. How do you want me to pronounce your name? Um, the whole thing is Shifcha, but if the CH, the Cha sound is too hard, you can just call me Shif. Oh, perfect. There you go. You, I'm glad I'm glad you gave me the dum-dum guy version. <laughs> it's because I extrapolated from a Hebrew word, and it's hard for people to pronounce, and then I have people on FET who's like, that's not how you spell it. And I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> you can't please like, anyone. <laughs> like it's it's a transliterated screen name. There is no correct way to spell it. <laughs> right. right. Um, uh, I should say, like you you emailed me about a year ago. Um, yes. And uh, because my schedule's been crazy and hectic, and I haven't been recording as many, uh, you were just very kind of just bearing with me, and we're finally doing it now. And yes. um, you've got a very interesting story, and I want to say. Um, right off the bat that, um, uh, you know, I'll be asking you a lot of questions. Some of them are questions that I probably know the answer to, but our audience doesn't. Um, okay. uh, I, I might ask you questions and I might say something that uh, is um, uh, offensive. Maybe not offensive is the right word. It's offensive not because I'm they trying to They can come offend. across offensive, but it wasn't your intent. No, it's because I'm an idiot, right? And there's a... <laughs> There's a, you know, there's a difference, right? There is a very different. It's sort of, it's sort of like, um, um, you know, it's sort of like someone who's who's well intentioned but is just too stupid to know, and uh, as a result, it's not though, stupid. you just ha don't have the knowledge yet. So I will help give you the knowledge. Sure, help give me the knowledge, but also, um, you know, we're going to be talking about subjects that I have made fun of in the past, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and so. Uh, and a lot of times it, it's because uh, of a misconception or, you know, or, or whatever. And so we're going to be talking about some of these subjects that, you know, we're going to talk about like the Gorian lifestyle, which I mm -hmm. have made fun of in the past because probably because I don't understand it or maybe because 
I do understand it, but I'm just an asshole. So there could be, <laughs> you, you know, uh, because again, I, there's I no hope way. It's not the latter. Well, here's the thing. It's just like it's just like anything else, right? Some people can think that wanting to be spanked is totally absurd, right? It's mm-hmm. totally absurd and ridiculous. Uh, uh, but this is this is the whole point of the conversation is to learn and to understand and to know that that even if uh, something f- is silly that someone else enjoys, I think we can all enjoy that our sexualities are, I mean, just inherently silly anyway. Everyone's is, you know, oh, even yes. if it's serious, right? So uh, anyway, um, uh, that being said, if it's let not, me start. Where's the fun? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, so yeah, so so you've got a very interesting story to tell, uh, you're, and I'm so glad you you uh, you emailed me because I, you know, I've often asked, hey, uh, if you've got uh, an interesting story, or if you just wouldn't want to talk, email me and let's do it. And this is this is exactly how it happens. So, because normally what happens is someone will say, uh, oh, you should really interview X, Y, and Z person, and it's usually the person who's saying that is a guy who just wants to hear a woman talk about her feet, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, so this is, this is great. You volunteered. And so, uh, this is, this I just, is I've been a big fan for a while and occasionally it'd be, I've had a bad day and I'll just put you on and I'll just start laughing hysterically because your interview style is just hilarious and well, it's I'm delightful. It. Um, but you, you are in Chicago. I am. And I'm okay with that information being out there because part of this is also to promote the Chicago Gorian community and anyone who has questions that in person wants to come and ask and talk to us is oh, also perfect. part of it. So I can't be like, come to the Chicago Gorian, but I don't live anywhere near there. Like I'm in Antarctica. <laughs> right. It just doesn't quite work that way. Right. So, so you, are you, have you always lived in Chicago or? Yes. Okay. And and how did you get involved in the community in general? Just the kink community in general and then how did that tell us your tell us your uh, origin story? My origin story. Um well, kink in romance books was always something that interested me and that developed into searching the web long before I was supposed to as most people do. And eventually I waited until I was 18 to get onto FetLife because, well, the, the internet gods would know if I did, went on earlier. And <laughs> I got on, started talking with people, met a stupid boy, stupidity ensued, but then ran into um, so, someone who goes to uh, Master Krell, who goes to the TNGC events in Chicago. And he was like, well, come, you should show up and you can either show up this weekend. You're going to have to wait four weeks. And I don't like to wait once I make a decision, but also social anxiety. So I worked up my courage and showed up at my first munch and went every week for the next two years until school got in the way and got introduced to various um some of the clubs around here because there's like six i think um visited some of them people guested me in and it grew from there so when you say stupid boy is that a screen name or just what you call this person now it's what i call this person i do not remember his name very thankfully and so i just i just refer to him as stupid boy because it yeah uh, now and again if you don't want to go into too deeply into this is that, that a lot of people have negative their first experiences are negative right uh, a lot of people have this um mm-hmm. um and it's varying degrees right it can be anywhere from just someone an asshole to someone who's you know genuinely abusive and um 
And it's a really tough thing when your first experience is a negative to continue well, on. Well, compound that into this was also my first boyfriend, my first really encounter with like dating a person more than like a first date at a coffee house. Right. Um, this was a lot of firsts for me. And um, he tried to pressure me the second time I met him in Springfield to have sex that if we didn't, then he would feel used. Jesus. Yeah. Good grief. And so I you are victimizing him. You're victimizing him by not. Uh, sure, I see how that works. Well, that's very convenient. Exactly. It's like part of his require, like part of the reason he has relationships is to have sex. And so if we didn't, then I wasn't living up to my part of the bargain in our relationship. Right. Now, were you going into this as a submissive, as, um, or how was that? I was. Or going into that as yes as a submissive but also a brand newbie in everything because um there's a term in in judaism called shomernegia being mindful of modesty being watchful of modesty and that practice is men and women don't touch outside of the immediate family like at all no handshaking no anything and i had taken parts of that on through high school Mm -hmm. and I was meeting him and acknowledged that I am I am acknowledging that we would be have physical affection with each other, but I still had not been used to it at all. Right. Which like a look from a boy that I thought was attractive would feel psychologically to me the same as a hot girl touching you on the hand and giving you like a wink. Right. Like, so it was very different and but I went into it as a submissive as him being fully aware of my observance levels and where I was coming from. Was you know, we should back up too that you're an Orthodox Jew and you you Jew. Jew and you you practice this and you've been this. Uh, is this something you converted into? You born? It sounds like you were born into it. Your whole family, yeah. I was born, yeah. Um, and, and so there's a there's a, a a lot of obviously there's a lot of conflicting stuff, just like any religion that uh, that. Uh, you know, preaches. There can uh, be conflicts. Right. It depends on how you process it. Correct. Right. Sure. I mean, just like anything else. Right. right. Um, so uh, that, was that something you had to, again, work yourself, uh, uh, you know, you had to figure out in your mind how that would factor into your submission or um, was that something that um, prevented you from doing it for a while or how did that work out? Um. The religious aspect, there's another concept, which I can't believe I'm blanking on the term, but it's basically be, being aware of gossip and the, and the not the impact, the, the image that you give out to the world. And so mm-hmm. I had to be mindful of what image the Jewish community would potentially see if any of this found out and drama happened because aspects did find it. Um, my sister, um, sisters were still looking for spouses at the time. And so since, even though we were not looking in the same pools, the more observant you are, the more widespread the interrogation process was. So I had to be more mindful of what is being public and what is not, and then figure out what our actual 
God-given laws, what are rabbinical laws, and what are just customs that people have taken on that have become almost like laws but are not, which can impact what is allowed to be done in public or in private, before marriage, after marriage, and where my lines were going to hold. But there was a, and this was, and like where my um, dietary restrictions being kosher and not, and what I would eat out in public and what I wouldn't eat out in public and how all that would happen. So those were a lot of conversations I had with myself. Some of them actually um, ended up with my family because my parents are aware of my preferences and my life choices. That took a lot of conversation. Yes, that that was a lot of conversations, but that that happened. And my father looks at me and goes, you're not a slave. You're too objective. You you talk to (laughs) too many people. I'm like, no, I am. Go away. Leave me alone. This is who I am. And, And we argue about my identity in that aspect. Well, so this um, is this I- is really interesting. Uh, so, and I, I and I, if I ever, if I ask, or if I, if I take this conversation to a way that you're just not comfortable with, or is just something you don't want to talk about, go ahead and stop mm-hmm. me. But um, okay. So in the in New York, we have you know we have a lot of Orthodox uh, Jewish people here, and. Um, in fact, and if I you know, know of any like cute doms like that are Jewish, please send them my way. <laughs> well, well, there are <laughs> there are, and there, there's a lot of. In fact, uh, I've got a friend who um, is, for whatever reason, is uh, is in, involved in the community, even though she herself is not, um, because she's uh, you know uh, knowledgeable in the kink world. Um, she uh, there's a building, there is a a, a house in Brooklyn that is only used for one thing. And that is a, uh, it's basically a kink space for the Orthodox community. Um, really? And, and she said that, you know, she would, and she would, she went in sort of as a, uh, a facilitator, so to speak. Right. Um, and because, uh, obviously if you go to a normal, normal is a bad word, but you know, if, if you go to <laughs> your typical, if you go to your typical kink dungeon in New York city, uh, there's, a certain level of activities that happen. And this was basically created just, you know, as it created um, because there are restrictions of who can touch who, if they're not married, mm-hmm. they would have different floors so that the women would actually play with each other and the men would play with each other on a different floor. And she would kind of go and help teach how to do rope and all this other stuff. Um, so it was, it's, it was because that way they could enjoy kink while at the same time adhering to their own rules. Right. Um yes. And she was totally fascinated with this, and she said, "Like it's amazing. This 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 place is used only like twice a year. Um, it's completely empty for the rest of the year, and um, uh, and yet they, you know, they have a blast there. They have a they have a complete blast." And she said that you know she's begged them like, "Hey, can we please use this for like private parties?" And no, 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 no. Okay, well, never mind. Um, but it's it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating. Um, uh, the levels that people will go to in order to, you know, keep two worlds that they cherish um, in play, right? Um, yes. And uh, you're following and, and, all the various rules, jumping through all the hoops, so you can have the best of what makes you who you are and happy. Right, and that's great. That's great. I mean, what what boggles my mind is uh, as someone who's not religious and someone who. Uh, has had a lot. I mean, a lot of difficult uh, difficulty. Uh, you know, in my early exploration, I can't imagine what it would be like to add that extra layer to it. 
Um, it's, it's, you know, I, it does I just... make it more complicated a little bit, but at the same time, there was a point at this point, I think it was two or three years ago, um, that I, when I was still more in service to master grill than I am, that I looked at him and went, if I can kneel in front of you and, and cry, if I feel like he's punishing me and I did something wrong, then I have to figure out how to translate that mental space to when I am kneeling before God on Yom Kippur on the the highest one of the most holy days where you're supposed to ask for forgiveness for things that you do and feel actually remorseful for my actions and it led to one of the most meaningful Yom Kippurs that I have ever had oh wow that's that's really amazing um he wasn't all that comfortable with that but I (laughs) (laughs) so this is something that has actually uh expanded your religious world as well then it has adjusted it i I have become much more spiritual but at the same time some of the um practical day-to-day livings have become a little bit more lax it's and like my dress has become a little bit more risque than it was originally but right and uh, so you go into you decide you're going to go and you're 18 years old you go out into the the king community there in chicago and that was wasn't until I was 22. Oh, 22. Okay. So, but you go on a Fet Life and you start exploring on Fet Life. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, so, what what happened from 18 to 22? Was it uh, online exploration? Was it one on one dates? And you met stupid guy. Um, it was mostly um, online dating, trying to get out into. Well, from 18 to 19, there's a standard year where. Um, Jews, Jewish students go uh, for their um, gap year to go to Israel. Mm-hmm. So I was there for the year. So I so returned from, so it's mostly just from 19 to 22. And so that time is just figuring out dating, figuring out college, figuring out job and employment and all that adult stuff that high school doesn't actually prep you for. Mm-hmm. And figuring out where that's going to be and how that's going to work and interacting with people mostly just online and message boards and online date. I had an online dom for those three years and practicing with that and then shifting over to find brave enough to get onto FetLife and started talking with Stupid Boy and Actually, someone else guested me into um, the Sin Center, which is one of the clubs in Chicago, and ended things with Stupid Boy and found Master Krell's profile. And he got me into the, the TNGC munches to actually learn or get to know the greater Chicagoland community, not just individuals. Right. And the community actually helped me through some various troubling personal times when part of my kinks became known at my employer and some of the Jewish community and drama that, and they rallied around me and helped support me emotionally through that. Um, if you don't mind talking about it, like, like how, how was this, you don't have to give the details, but did Mm -hmm. someone stumble upon your profile somewhere? Did. uh... No, I had shared some things with a coworker and the coworker decided who I thought I could trust and understood that it was private. And she decided to share it with um, my supervisor who, since I was no longer assisting spying on the other employees for her, she decided that I had to be done away with. Mm. And 
and so reached out and tried to require that I have a psych evaluation before I was allowed to return to work. Um, and that ended up not going anywhere because I'm really good at my job. Right. And, and so eventually I did end up not being rehired, but they said that that was because um, my position was no longer needed. But eventually, a year later, she was able to get me out. And that's just so absolutely batshit crazy. Yes. Um, well, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm really sorry you went through that. I mean, um, so so the community, your your area community, finds out about this, and um, I, I've heard from others in not necessarily. Uh, but in other religious groups uh, who are, uh, you know, either mm -hmm. Catholic or, or whatever, um, that uh, for them, it was more of the, not necessarily the act of doing it or what they were into, but the fact that uh, it was public, that was the, that was the shameful thing. The fact that other people knew oh, about no, it. Oh, no, it worse. was, no, it was the act because I am very cognizant of where the boundaries are, what's public, what's private. And I thought I was sharing it with someone private and she decided to make it public. So it wasn't the, the public versus private. It was the acts that I was engaging in. Right. Uh, do you, uh, I'll give you an example. I have a friend who's, who's Catholic, comes from a very Catholic family. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was clear that, that her family was, uh, was upset, not that she was, what she was doing, but they were just upset that other people knew about it. That was their, you know, that was their thing that they, mm -hmm. that they themselves were humiliated by it. Um, that was the, that was the shameful aspect for it, at least in, in, in their case. In the, I, I am a teacher and the fact that I'm engaging in these immoral, unsafe acts that leave marks on my body, even though it is by consent, is therefore putting all of the children in danger. Right. So that was. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, still it's, uh, and I'm really sorry you went through that. That's really, and how, you know, uh, is that how your family found out and how you had that conversation or did you end up coming out to your family? How did that work? Oh, you, that's, that's, that's something much more amusing. Um, my, I was still living at home after I came back from my gap year and, the first time I ordered sex toys, I timed it so all of my textbooks were arriving at the same time. <laughs> the second time – so I was like, oh, I have all these packages coming. Just be aware that just these are all mine and it was all good. The second time I didn't do that and I come home and they were supposed to have arrived but I can't find them. And I go into my bedroom and the box is open on my chair and it was more than just a dildo. And I, and I frantically call my mother, hope, like, did you by any chance come home in the middle of the day? She's like, no. I'm like, oh, fudge. This means my father opened this package of sex toys and probably just dumped them out thinking it was something for him. And oh, fudge. He's he like, oh, these nothing. aren't my sex toys. <laughs> I didn't He's, know it was these sex toys. He said nothing to me. He said, so that started a conversation about toys and things and why I bought the specific toys that I did and my mother had caught me some of the the stories that I had printed prior still while still in high school and that got into my um, interest in non-consent play at that point 
now it's it's more to consensual power exchange. And so they were aware of these interests of mine. Mm-hmm. And when I was going to the first um, first month, it was at that time I just was saying it was a social gathering. Um, but then the next educational was um, was rope. So I am very crafty as well. And so I was like, oh, I'm just learning how to like like macrame and work with rope. And so it's, it's going to be on people, <laughs> but I can also like apply it to the crafting thing. So I'm going more for the crafting reasons. They <laughs> right. were like, okay, right, and. And it just and it evolved from there that I would slowly drop more and more, more information and more conversations. And they could see the romance at that point. It was erotica books that had like those risque covers of, of cuffs and, right. and chains and color and stuff. So it wasn't a secret. The the, the largest sharing of knowledge happened more um, when I went to explain what gore is. Right. And that not because they they had any idea what it was, but because I now had a vocabulary to explain what I liked and the uh, relationship dynamic that resonated with me. And so the right. terms really aggravated them. Sure. Right. I mean, and and gore is hard for uh, for, for regular kinksters, regular to kinksters to, to get their heads around. So imagine uh, imagine. Well, uh, on the flip side, if you explain to uh, a vanilla person gore, then uh, after everything, just normal kink, I hate, again, normal kink. <laughs> uh, Something you uh, never thought you'd say. Right. Uh, that your typical uh, kink that's displayed in public, uh, you know, in, in uh, uh, you know, in movies and, and, uh, and whatnot uh, is, is more digestible for people, you know. Um, and see, I disagree with that. You think so? Go ahead. It it depends. If you look, if you search the internet for gore, a hundred percent, then that then you are then your analysis of kink versus gore, a hundred percent. But that wasn't how I was introduced into it. Um, Master Krella is one of the um, founding members of the Chicago Gorean community, and he was my also my gateway person to the Chicago kink community. And so we would hang out and he would talk about the score thing where the, everyone is held to a standard of honor and to borrow Horton. Here's a who you say what you mean and you mean what you say and you're, and you hold to what's right with a capital R and you try to oppose what's wrong with a capital W and not everything falls into that, but that's what you do. And the concept of people like that just living around is like, this is what the whole world should be like. I like these people. Okay. Then he introduced the concept of um, gender dynamics and power exchange that the men are the leaders and the women are the followers. Neither one is more important or more vital than the other, but they have distinct roles and trying to say that everyone is completely equal in everything does a disservice to both genders. And while that resonates very much with my Orthodox Judaism uh, upraising, uprising, upbringing, that's the word, upbringing, and where men have some expectations and some rules and some laws and women have other ones and they support each other. But a woman isn't expected to do what a man does and man isn't expected to do what a woman does. And so that really resonated with me also. And then having an environment where in every situation there are parameters and structure that as a 
as a slave, I would be able to rely on. It's life is like driving in a car and without those structures, feels like I'm driving without a seatbelt on, which some people are perfectly fine with. But for me, I'm panicking that like, well, someone's going to bump into me or I'm going to spill something or I'm going to go through the windshield. But these structures of the explicitly stated power dynamic of a Gorian relationship, of the Gorian dynamic and community means in every situation, I know what's expected of me. I know what I can expect from others and I know how to interact in all of these situations. So I have my seatbelt that's keeping me safe. So Gore isn't a kink per se. There are kinky individuals that are Gorian, but Gore itself is not, it's just, it's a personality dynamic. It's a chosen way of life that there isn't, it isn't something that gets turned on or off. Like I can't decide, well, today I'm going to be a boy and tomorrow I think I'll be a girl again. Or it's in the same way that those who identify as submissive or dominant aren't automatically the next day going to be a switch. So having this community reassures me. And and so in that way, there's nothing kinky about it. Like I'm not going to safe word. The whole concept that people get scared about is that there's no safe words. Well, it's, you're not going to safe word out of your gender. You're not going to safe word out of your age. So you're not going to safe word out of who you are, who your personality is. So there's still communication. There's still my voice. Slavery and submission within Gore doesn't mean no voice. It just means that your presentation has to be pleasing, and that's it. So, and there seems to be a lot of similarities between uh, those who practice uh, what's called high protocol um, in in many aspects, right? So that there's a lot of protocols, there's a lot of rules, which which um, there can be a, a lot. Right? Okay. So so what is the so when I think of Gore, I think of it's kinky Klingon. It's it's Klingons. Uh, it's basically, I mean, and that's not a bad thing. I love Star Trek. So um, that it's honor, it's, uh, you know, it's that type of thing. That there's a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a sense of honor and then there's a sense of everyone has their place. And then there's uh, people who eat gach. And uh, <laughs> boy, that was that was uh, a number 12 on the nerd scale for those of you listening. Um, no, there's a, there's a lot of. Um, I have to put something in every episode that I know Saad's going to laugh at. Uh, so that that's, that's for her. Um, no, so, but it seems like there, there's a lot of high protocol. And uh, I've been involved in uh, high protocol relationships in the past where it was, you know, you do this thing when you enter, you do this thing when you leave, you speak this way, you, um, uh, you know, this is the type of things you do and you do this thing. In, in, in some, and while other people feel that these protocols are, uh, a hindrance to accomplishing things. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a lot more time to do this and whatever. Um, other people, they love the structure of it because they know what to expect. And it's, especially, it's really... Well, it doesn't ne- necessarily have to be actual high protocol looking like that. It could just be, there is a protocol for everything. It could just be, do what you know is right. Mm-hmm. Or it could be, when you come in, this is what you will dress like. It's right. within Gore, it's whatever the master or mistress um, wants. The, the, the vector of pleasure, the, the focus isn't on what will please the, the slave or the submissive, but what will please the master or the mistress. And so right. it, that can look like official high protocol that you're thinking, but it could just be that there is a protocol focus in everything. So, uh, how does that? Uh, how is that for you? Like, what is your style of 
of gore and what is you know or what is your ideal what are you looking for what what is that Look like. Oh, so I get to do a personal ad now? Okay, this sure, is what yes. you do. <laughs> um, I have, well, not personal, but I have belonged to Master Krell officially where um, he, d- he did not collar me, but um, braceleted me because we both knew from the get-go that we are not each other's person for, so it was more just for both of us to practice and work on our dynamics and mm-hmm. just have a positive relationship. Um, and during that time, which lasted about a year, and when I would come over, then I would always go to wherever he is and kneel and wait for his um, acknowledging my presence and go over how he was since I last spoke to him, how I was, and then we'd move on. Um, one of the more toned down bits of it was he would feed me my first bite in whatever meal we are having together, um, whether this was out in public or in the privacy of our own home. Um, I would always pour his drink and make sure that it's full for as long as he wanted. And I would refer to him as Master or Master Krell, which got really complicated when we were out to dinner with his parents. I'm but, sure. <laughs> this guy. Oh, Mar- my parents. Exactly, exactly. I would just, I would really avoid using any titles of any sort. It's just like, um, can you do this? Um, So those were the standard protocol. Um, I was always in, I would always be in skirts, but that's already something that I'm more comfortable in from the religious aspect and body conscious aspects Mm -hmm. of my personality. Um, Then during... Oh, and when I would bring him food or drink, there was a specific um, method to do that, a special serve that I would do. But otherwise, it was just living life and and more when I had something to say, how I presented it or when there was a conflict. Um, I have a a story. He bought a house recently after or soon after he collared me or braceleted me and we were working on the lawn and he was telling me what to do, except he had not taken care of a lawn in 10 years while I had taken care of my parents' lawn well the week before. Mm-hmm. And I was blistering up my hands and destroying the lawn because I was just doing what he was told me to. So I walked to him and I did not take the rake to his head, which was really tempting at that point. <laughs> Instead, it was just, can I share with you, Master, my thoughts right now because I think there is a problem. He put his was on, hmm, and I'm like, I understand that you're doing this because such, 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 but it would work much better if we did it this way because your method is causing harm to both me, look at my hands, and also the lawn, come look at the lawn. He stopped. Okay, you're right. Let's switch it to this part. It, so it was, he still got to make the final decision, and he could say, okay, I hear your your opinion, your thoughts. We're still going to do it this way. That's part of the gore aspect is he still gets final say, but it's my responsibility as his slave or as a slave in general to make sure that he has all the information that he needs to make a informed, intelligent decision. Right, right. Um, and then is there a... Because when I think of gore, I think of uh, the sci-fi novels. Um, mm-hmm. That it's um, uh, naked women all around and uh, guys who look like um, uh, 
Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Sure, there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I was I was going to say uh, members of a '70s metal band, um, but that works too. That works too. Um, and that that's the you know um, that's the vision because that's you know that's what's projected in the in the novels, and that's um, uh, how much of that is you know how much of the original uh works is is still used or is that you not even a framework it's just it's completely different now it has you know it's just the name that's stuck uh, everything um, else is no or, the the books which at this point are 37 30 I'm blanking at the number that they're at cuz he just came out with another one last summer um are an argument by hyperbole for reacting to um radical feminism right. that the story itself is as Vester Carl says a a sand and sword flick romance mm-hmm. um that while 90 percent of the female characters are slaves and running around naked or scantily clad and all of that stuff the story specifically states that only about 10 percent of actual females on planet gore are Slaves. So it acknowledges that this isn't something, but well, if you're reading a sentence or rom com, then you'd rather hear about the sexy slaves. Right. Um, Right. So the point of it is Gore is not a religion. So the books are not the Bible. It's he, um, John Norman or Dr. John Lang, is a philosophy professor or was a philosophy professor. And so these were how he was sharing this philosophy with the masses to try to understand that. So the point of those who actually practice gore in their day-to-day lives is figuring out what the philosophy aspects he was trying to convey in these stories and extrapolating those out into living with honor and dignity and within gender roles. So he's constantly adding new ones. So it's an evolving thought process. And because of that, because of how it's written that there isn't a Bible and he's very much come out, the author, John Norman has come out saying that he doesn't support, that the Goring community doesn't get how they exist and all of that stuff. There isn't someone to check back and is this right? Is that wrong? There is no priests or rabbis of Gore. It's just figuring out how to extrapolate the philosophy and what is the core aspects of the philosophy. And whether finding people that agree that the aspects that you're pulling out are the core aspects. So it's still taking from the books. Right. So, there, I mean, I think the one of the big reasons why uh, I'm not very familiar with it, other than the very, you know, from what I hear from other from people or just the general, you know, the general vibe that's out there about it is mm-hmm. because as a submissive male, there aren't. Uh, there's not a lot of, you know, I just wasn't exposed to it because you know when you're when you're looking at the at that universe from uh, you know looking uh, for a female dominant, there's not a lot of that in that at least you know as far as no when I was there looking is not for it, and- right um, and uh, are are there f- a female dominant alternative is there is there some is there a group that believes in the same things almost identically except flipped i know i know there are the female supremacy uh you know those <laughs> those groups of people um but they're they're not 
in this sort of they don't they don't have the same structure i believe that gore does or right. you, you can probably speak more to that as as i can though they're but, not as much because i am not interested in female dominance from on a personal level sure. so i haven't done a lot of research on that um but within the gore framework there are dominant women um they are not um from the books they are not on the same exact level as the as the men, um, but they are not way below. There, it's it's president and vice president. Right. The president still has all the power, but vice president still has a lot of power and is still the vice president and all of that stuff. Right. Um, the cha- challenge comes in is that there's not as much um, for many people, not for everyone, but for many people, um, for submissive men within the Gorian framework, not to say that they obviously don't exist, um, and that they're not amazing people, but within the Gorian framework, it's harder to find a spot for them because the point of Gore was for men to stand up and be more assertive and be more confident in that and not let the radical feminist movement of the 60s push them around. So there's less of space. But that being said, um, one of the founding members of the Chicagoian community is a female, is a dominant female. And I have met, I think it's been two um, Gorian male-identifying slaves, um, that are looking for women, um, female Gorians to be their mistress. So it's not unheard of. It's just much more rare and sometimes met with um, animosity because that isn't in line with the return to what your genders are more likely to be historically. If that That's got to be a, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, for a submissive male, it's tough enough. And, and then you add that extra layer, that's got to be like, that's got to be next to impossible. That I mean, that's that's really uh, you got to you got to admire their uh, their gumption, I guess. Uh, very much so. And there's there's very much more um, dominant female Gorians than there are. I have run into many more dominant female Gorians than submissive slave identifying male Gorians, oh, male wow. slaves. That's uh, that's, yes. um, that's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, usually it's flipped around. Um, right. I think that part of that is because Gore is even the expectations of a male slave are much more stringent and, and challenging. What do you mean? Um, the, the, the expectations are, um, This I am very well aware so that this is my preconceptions, and so please challenge sure. me on them if they are incorrect. But in today's society, women, even though feminism and women are equal and all of that stuff, it's still women dress sexy and revealing and alluring, and are and the homemaker and bringing drinks and stuff. And so, returning to that. And embracing that mindset within a relationship or within a community setting is less of a jump than having a male who will kneel in front of other men and women and do things just because I say so and dress in scantily clad items and 
expect to get a lot of the um, or do a lot of the manual labor and work with possibly no fringe benefits. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're, you're saying that that's the the uh, the perception is that the the male is in the Gore community uh, has a lot more negatives than positives. Is what you're saying? Right. Yes. Uh, and there, there's a lot of, and I, I mean, I can't imagine the from a political standpoint. Uh, it's got to be um, really interesting. So I'm sure there are plenty of self-identified. Uh, feminists who also uh, enjoy the Gorian lifestyle um, that, you know, just like anything else, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be some who, who do that and have to make a separation in their minds because obviously it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's their choice to do so. Right. And that's whole, that's the whole point of feminism. Well, exactly. So therefore there shouldn't have to be a separation. It's I am feminist and I am choosing to do this. As long as I get to have the choice, then I'm still a feminist. Right. Uh, what I'm saying is though, there are, there are still, um, those, and I don't necessarily agree with them. There are those who say that, well, even though you are choosing it, um, you are still, it's not uh, the right choice, it, right. That you're still playing into the patri patriarchy and, um, uh, and so, I mean, I know plenty of submissive females who are always dealing with this from someone and it's a pain in the ass, but yet it's still always out there, mm -hmm. right? Um, yes. Um, that's gotta be, I mean, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a question that should, you know, that is understandably that comes up, right? Because if someone doesn't understand it, uh, mm -hmm. they can't understand why you would choose it. Um, that's gotta be a... Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's ever going to be an end to that discussion, right? I th I th actually think if there ever is an end to that discussion, half of the submissive population will no longer exist just because part of the allure is the forbidden or the challenge or something of that so nature. And without that challenge, that bucking the the norm and, or what you're expected to be, then, okay, this isn't really that interesting anymore. It's just, it's chicken. Who cares? Right. Well, and there are also those who, uh, who claim that female dominance is also playing into it because, oh, you're just doing this because a submissive guy wants you to do it. Um, to, I, to... I run into, yeah. Go ahead now. I just, I run into a challenge in my thought process is, I don't quite get what the allure is of topping, of being the dom. I don't get it. It makes no sense. So when, when anyone, any of the doms I know try to explain it to me, I'm like, but, but you have to make all the decisions. You have to, you have to, you have to choose all of that and you have to keep, well, it doesn't make sense. And they don't get my aspects of it either. Sure. Um, no, it's interesting. I mean, you know, just like there are, uh, many different aspects of how a submissive can uh, identify with submission. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are also many ways that, you know, a dominant can identify with domination, right? Um, right. Like, I, I, I will never understand the, um, the trope of the male submissive sniveling who wants to be called a worm, who, uh, you know, wants to be ignored, um, for me, it's, you know, I, it's, for me, it's like, it's like into uh, a knight to his queen type of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because partly that's because I have a king for slaying dragons. 
but um, <laughs> that's just – don't judge me. No, it's all good. I like drawing them. I just want to ride them. <laughs> um, so so let's talk about the Chicago community there. Is it a pretty big uh, – the Gorian community is a pretty big there or – No, it's not. Um, and it's actually recently str- – shrunk a little bit because of people moving a little bit um, and internal dynamics. We're trying to regrow. We've actually gone and been at WindyCon two years and um, Capricorn one year. And actually this past WindyCon, um, Master Krell and I presented on Gore. We've given that presentation at um, also at PXS and um, the Mast of Buffalo Grove. So we've done that and we did room parties and hosted and tried to gather more people in and educate people. So we've done really good with the education, but people are either already firmly established in the dynamics that they prefer or the traveling is too long. So we're Mm -hmm. trying to reach out and help Gore not be so scary. And especially with the, um, the the current political situation and all of that stuff can put an even darker cloud over gore for people that are not educated are not learning from educated sources and just searching the internet that gore looks really scary and looks very dangerous and there's all of these craziness and you shouldn't do it because it's not safe for the world. Right. And so we're actually trying to figure out how to reach larger crowds and possibly different crowds to increase the number of people that are interested and want to learn, even if it's not for them, but to get that knowledge out there. So at so least, they, need- at least they, they don't uh, avoid it entirely. They can at least, uh, they can at least uh, coexist with it, I should say. Right. Exactly. Uh, so we have monthly um, meetings. It We were at um, a library having book discussions and then having dinner afterwards because we are based off books mm-hmm. and how we incorporate that into life um, because of the smaller size. Now we're actually returning to a restaurant and the event is up on Meetup, so I can give you the link to that. Sure, um, we'll put it in, the, uh, we'll put it in the, uh, the show notes here. Perfect. And where we just – come and talk about gore in life and possibly throw out a book quote and have people share their thoughts on it. What is the, um, what are the, some of the main, the main misconceptions of it that, that you hear that, that people will spout out about it, that they're like, Oh, well it's just X and it's just completely wrong. Or is there a, uh, other misconceptions that are very common? Well, but actually when I first started showing up at the TNGC munch with, um, with Master Krell, one of the um, leaders there who, who knew him and conversed with him when she learned that I was playing with him in private as well, um, she came over and was like, okay, you just, you do know Gore and like they don't play with safe words and that's not good. And it was just like, no, when you engage in kink play, you have safe words. But when engaging in life as a dominant personality or as a submissive personality, you don't say for and say, excuse me, you're being too dominant for me right now or I'm being too submissive. I can't talk to you right now. That's not how what happens. So play is does have safe words. Life does not. Right. I guess that's one of them. And the other is that slaves don't have a voice and that you have to be uh, – 
that one of those sniveling worm type people that just yes master yes master yes master for everything in order to be a good slave and that is the exact opposite of what is desired by any healthy gorian male or female right. you have to having an intelligence that can be tapped to further um the goals the aims the life expectancies of the that wasn't the right term but whatever of the growing master is beneficial and so you have to it's just presentation it all comes down to presentation uh as with you know as with most things it's it's sort of like um it depends on who you're doing it with right right um, uh, it's very but easy even to... with that there's also some expectations of the universal expectations of a Gorian slave um, is the being pleasing to others in every environment. It doesn't mean that slaves owe, this was another misconception, that slaves owe obedience to every one with a dick that they run into is very much not true. They owe a certain amount of deference, of courtesy, um, and... But otherwise, it isn't obedience, but the being pleasing and improving the environment that you are, that she or he is involved in, is one of the character traits of a Gorian slave. Uh, what you also did a uh, you've you've done a number of presentations, including one that uh, about a conflict resolution. Yes. Um, uh, specifically in terms of service. Uh, yes. Sounds very interesting. What what what's the basic gist of that one? Preparation and communication, because you can't in the Gorian relationship, you can't safeguard out of who you are. You have to figure out how to have fights because those will happen, while still being who you are. Because I know from personal experience that if I blow up and try to take a attacking role 10 seconds after that energy is gone. I feel even worse than before because that isn't natural to who I am and right. it just, it doesn't work. So you have to figure out how to have conflicts will arise no matter how perfect you are for each other. So it's laying the groundwork ahead of time that when a challenge comes up, when some issue happens, pausing, make figuring out some way to process it. I prefer writing to, fi to figure out what the issue is and analyze it and figure out what the cause is, whether this is something that's possibly going to repeat and have already set up when things are all happy, what addressing that, that should look like, whether it's sending an email that here's what I found, here's an issue, or at dinner kneeling before food and going, okay, let's talk about this, or whether there's a standard time every day that you talk about, but having those rituals set up ahead of time so that when something blows up and your brain isn't functioning right, you can fall back into, okay, I know that in this situation, I need to do this, this, and this so that we can address it and I'm not being disrespectful and I'm not shoving it into his face and we both can address an issue so it doesn't turn into something gigantic. Um, and that, again, that sounds very familiar with, uh, people who are in sort of a high protocol. Um, uh, a lot of the people I know who are in, you know, MS relationships, uh, they do mm -hmm. a lot of similar things. Um, yes. Um, so it's, uh, it wasn't it's, geared just towards growing relationships. It was anyone engaging who wants to stay 
comfortable in a submissive mindset when dealing with conflicts, whether in a, a personal relationship or I also addressed when dealing with coworkers or employers or friends because it's you use the same methodology. It's just shifted for different environments. Let's talk, let's talk about play a little bit. Is there, are there any uh, uh, unique things that happened in, uh, in the Gorian circles that are very, very common that aren't common elsewhere? Or is it pretty much your standard kink stuff? It's what it's, it's whatever floats the master's boat. It's, oh, that's, that's the beginning and end of it. Um, a lot of things that deal with um, exerting power obviously have to do something to with it. Um, but it's whatever floats your boat. I, one of my personal favorite kink is orgasm control and denial. And that plays into power and me feeling someone else's power over me. But that is a personal kink of mine. Definitely not something connected with gore though. For me personally, if you're not going to, get into it i don't quite understand why not but right right (laughs) now does that usually take its shape in chastity is it in teasing and denial what is that how does that usually manifest itself for me that was well chastity can have multiple definitions sure whether it's using actual apparatuses or not touching or only various things but mine was um slowly building from just having to ask permission to um, not being allowed to ask for permission and just waiting for um, being told to do something, to being able to orgasm on command in almost any situation, to being able to being told on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being orgasms, um, having an orgasm to stay at a number up to 9.59s, right. um, which those were really fun times. I liked those. I've got uh, a friend who's, <laughs> who's done something similar where uh, she was in a relationship where she could uh, basically orgasm on a countdown. Um, and, and uh, you know, without touching herself, it would, you know, she, you know, someone, her, her partner would count down from 10 and then she would have an orgasm. And she said that they were a very, very, uh, you know, they're very clearly orgasms. They were slightly different from ones that you would get from physical stimulation. Um, yes. But that it would, it was something that uh, that happened over time. That she sort of um, had to almost train herself more than someone else doing it for her because it was so much in her mind. Um, uh, is that what you found as well, or how did how did you? It definitely was a progression. Um, over the course, I think it took about a year and a half to two years to get to the most in- highest level of control. Um, and because I wanted it to happen, that whenever this was something that I engaged with Master Krellen, that whenever um, he would give me a direction, I I am very detail oriented, very detail oriented. And so I'd figure out, well, you said this, so there's this loophole and I'd share it with him. Right. He's like, then he, he'd fill the hole. And we kept going. So finally he's like, would you like a backhoe? Like you don't even need a shovel to like dig yourself a hole. Would you like a backhoe? (laughs) And just through that, I kind of 
like he figured out how to fill all of those holes from the get-go that and and I would build to more and more control and then I am very suggestible when aroused and so things would be introduced in those situations where actually it got to the point that he could I could feel thing I could feel him in my mouth and still but also or he would be in my mouth and I'd feel him between my legs right. or he'd be playing with one area and I'd feel it in something else or something like that and it was just slowly introducing those things and I wanted them to happen sure. and just moving that way. So it actually got to the point that I realized I was deciding to, he could, he would build the the arousal level, but I would be the one that would decide to have the orgasms. But at that point, why would I decide not? Right. To have the <laughs> right. Um, right. But right. if he said no, I couldn't have the orgasms. Like my body wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. Right. So just and that took a while and then that control slowly waned and so that's the I, I would love to find my significant other that's interested in that. That's gotta be a you know, that's gotta be a very um you know, just like you know, anyone else find, trying to find a partner, you know, you're trying to find a partner who's also into a lot of these same things you are. Um uh and so, I mean, Jewish. It, and Jewish, so so there you go. Maybe it will. Maybe you just uh, come to, come to New York. You can take a trip around the uh, area. There's actually a fairly, you know, from what I understand, there is a you know a, a kink community. A lot of them are, um, you know, situations where one partner doesn't know about the other partner being in the kink community, but um, but there is one. So there is one uh, uh, here. So um, is there is there a? There's I'm sure there's got to be a. Life community for for people in the community, yes. Yeah, there's a number of them, and I am I am members of a number of them. Unfortunately, most of them um, are above my age preference, right? Or are have significant others already, or are little boys that really need to grow up, right? Right. <laughs> and right. <laughs> I'm not interested in any of those. Right. Right. Well, uh, I'm sure someone's going to be listening to this who knows someone who knows someone. And uh, uh, is it okay if we uh, uh, have your FetLife profile link? Or yes. Okay. So we'll have yes. that link on there uh, if, if for no other reason so that they can contact you if they want to learn more uh, about the Chicago area or gore or uh, conflict resolution or drawing <laughs> dragons. Uh, there'll be plenty I'm, I'm of – <laughs> I really appreciate or, you. Or I've actually had a couple of people reach out to me about how I mix my kink and Judaism and how I work with those. So I'm okay with those conversations as that well. That would be great. I'm sure that would be really helpful for a lot of people. Um, thank you so much for doing this. And a, a year in the making. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we finally got time to do this. And uh, I really appreciate it. Perfect. Thank you so much. This was really cool. cool. If you want to look up Chief on FetLife... Uh, you can find a link to her profile on the Massacast website for this episode. You can also see a link to the uh, an upcoming event for the Gorian Chicago Club group organization, Folk. Hope you have a good uh, next couple of weeks. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.